When I ask you to think of what a typical gamer looks like, what do you think that is? Are they white, teenage, male? That's historically been true. But did you know that now women and girls make up 45% of gamers? However, Black women are among the least represented demographic in this $135 billion global gaming industry. So it's not surprising then that we still see racism, colorism, and an overall lack of representation for Black women in video games, the gaming industry, and the community itself. So let me give you an example. When you choose a video game avatar, whiteness is still the default, with a severe lack of variety to choose from in skin tones, hair textures, and hairstyles. So in a world that's becoming more and more digital, young Black girls' very identities are being erased. And after all, if the heroes that they see never look like them, they may end up thinking that somebody like them will never be a hero. I'm Jess Weiner, and in today's episode of Let's Change Beauty, I'm talking to J.N. Lopez, CEO and founder of Black Girl Gamers, an online platform that heightens the visibility of Black women in gaming and advocates for more diversity and inclusion. J.N. describes Black Girl Gamers not just as a safe space, but a progressive one. And we're going to be talking about what her community of over 8,000 members are doing to challenge and change the gaming industry from the inside out. Let's dig in. Jay, and I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. I admire the work that you're doing, and I want to dig right into that. You started Black Girl Gamers in 2015, um, and it was a small Facebook group, wasn't it? That kind of has now grown into this collective community of more than 8,000 members worldwide. And I, I would love it if you could just ground us in what inspired you to create this movement and this community. It took a little bit of time, actually. I didn't start off Black Girl Games. I started off in my own gaming channel. And prior to that, I had another platform in beauty, empowering Black women to embrace their skin tone and natural hair texture. And that's what gave me the tools to create another social platform to focus it around a community. So I took the, the skills from Culture UK, brought them over to um, Black Girl Gamers and created it from that way. And it just started from not having anyone around me that was friends to gamers and not having anyone to look at as representation in the industry as well. And so I just created it as a Facebook group and word of mouth happened and we became vocal, which mm. meant that we weren't just a safe space. We were a progressive one, which I say all the time, because it's really important to just not huddle away, away from, you know, what's causing the issues. It's also important to speak on the issues and it was evident to me that a lot of people were assimilating in the space at the time and not speaking up. So mm. this platform gave them that space to actually feel like they had some backing to, to speak up against, you know, character representation, lack of diversity in the workplace, issues in the workplace, um, and just overall the some of the toxicities in the culture that existed um, at the time. Moving from a conversation around beauty with folks around representation and deepening representation, what was your experience with gaming and the gaming industry personally that then motivated you to transform that conversation to this industry? I think it was uh, the feelings of isolation, the feelings of seeing other people do it who were, you know, not women or, or not Black. And, you know, just you see them also utilize black culture to, to push themselves forward. Um, and I thought that was really interesting. So I decided to create my own and I thought if they can do it and they're not really 
doing what's innate to them I thought I can do it definitely too um and I've always been that way and very much uh if there's a problem I'll do my make be the change that I want to see essentially so I think it was feelings of isolation feelings of wanting better feelings of trying to make a change somewhere somehow mm-hmm. and just to find other people you know other women that you know had that cultural nuance that I could understand but also yeah could relate to in, 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 in the gaming universe and the gaming world too. So yeah, just trying to make myself feel better a little bit, actually. Well, what I think you inevitably did as, as I look at your community is you've validated uh, what is very obviously a space that Black women occupy in both loving video games, working in the gaming industry. And I think one of the big fallacies in gaming is that this audience doesn't exist, both for women you know, uh, and women of color in particular. And I'm curious, as the community has grown and your conversations have deepened and become more progressive, as you said, what what's some of the impact that this community has had on women working within the industry? I imagine it's a huge benefit to both network and feel connected. Yeah, so it depends on which lane you're talking about. So if you're talking about content creators, you know, we provide them with a lot of opportunities via our talent brokering. Um, so last year we put about at least $39,000 in the pockets of black female content creators who just, you know, create content around games. We had our Black Girl Gamers Online Summit in 2020, which resulted in people getting jobs at some of the organizations that were present on the panel or in the audience. Um, We specifically challenge around the recruitment practices of gaming organizations and are consulting on a couple of those as well to help them increase the diversity at the top of funnel. Um, And that's really important because that changes who's behind the scene making the games and whose stories are getting told. So, you know, it's in a a variety of different ways and events, you know, we always... um, any opportunity that comes our way, we try and empower the people within our community to take it, to provide them more equity. So it's hard to like sum it all up, but it's in different ways that we're doing this. Well, what I really love is it's working on the systemic change for this industry. It's really working at, and I think you said this very well, the, the folks inside the world of gaming and creating the games and deciding whose world that gets centered on. And historically, in the gaming industry, it's been centered on white maleness. And when mm-hmm. we look at women's representation and girls in video games, they've often been serving the white male hero or that mm-hmm. kind of story arc in that way. And I know you and I both get to do some consulting in the video game space and obviously some advocating, which is incredible because I too believe in the systemic change that needs to happen both within before you ever even experience the game. But I've noticed, and I'm curious for you to speak on this as well, you know, one of the first things that shocked me, and maybe it shouldn't have, was when I was looking at, from a developer standpoint, the options for avatars when players are choosing, let's say, which character they want to experience in a video game. And the physical and uh, and beauty representations available for women still centered on whiteness, slenderness, long hair, no disabilities. You know, there was still such a stereotypical view of women in those games. And I'm curious, even hair texture and hairstyle still yeah. so limited. I'm curious if you can shed some light on the kinds of conversations you have within your community of Black girl yeah. gamers about the experience this has for those participating. Yeah, so I think we've always challenged this and it's not just been a Black girl gamers thing. I think it's been in a Black consumer thing where we've challenged, you know, why does our hair have to be straight in the game? Not everyone has yeah. straight hair. Um, and, you know, being able to make yourself has always 
always been a challenge and sometimes still is a challenge in certain games, even to this day in 2022. I think some of the conversations are that people want to enter the space as artists to then change that because mm-hmm. they're seeing that not many, not enough games or it's not becoming an industry standard to have that representation for everyone. Um, and it is tiring. It's very tiring as a gamer to escape to a world that doesn't include you. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of the women in our spaces are at artists and want to become uh, game artists and game developers to make that change. So it's more about the progression of, okay, here's a solution. How can I get to fix it? So we do workshops and that's one of our workshops series for this year is on art in the gaming industry. And we provide our members with workshops free of charge um, just to help them find ways or connections to get into that space. Oh, I love I love that because I think, you know, for maybe the parents who might be listening to this episode whose kids are really into gaming, especially, and I will say, if you've got young boys at home gaming, which is still the primary target audience of video games, even though we know yeah. 83% of girls are online playing games now and, you know, 45% of gamers are women. But I feel like what's really important to know, and Gina Davis Institute on Gender and the Media just released a, a stat that told us that 90% of all leading characters in video games are white. And so I think I want folks listening to understand, like, oftentimes when characters of color show up in video games, they're still relegated to pretty stereotypical story arcs, right? You've got gang members and, you know, black characters are typically sidekicks or, you know, Middle Eastern terrorists. Like, they still really trope out racially, gender, and class, don't they? That's the reason why I don't play some of the games, because I don't want to put money in their pockets anymore more as an adult I can say that maybe as a child it's a bit different but as an adult I can say I actively don't want to put money in your pocket as a developer that is still encouraging these tropes two yep. is erasing black women or other people or three just hasn't fixed the internal issues you have in organizations because you know some of these organizations have some really bad cultural issues that came out in the news recently um yeah. so I think you know there are some really great studios that start from the ground up that are moving forward. Um, so for instance, I think one game that I would shout about that has, you know, is close to being perfect, not perfect, mm. but close, is Apex Legend, uh, because they mm-hmm. have done a lot of a great representation of having indigenous, non-binary, black female, now a black male, Australian, someone from the Pacific Islands. In terms of like just having that roundabout roster and still growing on it, because I think with previous games, they've talked about having diversity but then they've missed out a complete demographic and had a majority white female or white male characters. Having a majority white female, white male roster is not diversity, it's tokenism. And I think there's still that that lack of education around race, around diversity, equity, inclusion in these gaming companies because they did start as quite small, sometimes Mm -hmm. friends working and then they grow and they grow and then nepotism still remains in these organizations. And like, that's why I think hiring is very, very important because they would, there'll be people who have different thought. You need thought diversity in these spaces to challenge these individuals. So, yep. I mean, you do get the, the kind of, you know, issues with the representation, but I think there's, there's some great studios out there doing some work too. Yeah. Well, I think when we, talk about opening up access and opportunity 
for hiring is really important. And we're looking at that across many industries, not just gaming. Obviously, a lot of these industries that have mm-hmm. been fairly insular and the hiring practices, as you mentioned, have also been fairly familiar and everybody hiring friends of friends and keeping it that way. I mean, I think we're looking at that industry-wide across many different sectors. Yeah. But I think in gaming, it is really interesting. One of the things I've noticed in the advising of that is just to your point, there is a really specific line between broader representation and tokenism. And what we advocate for a lot in our work is not doing the check the box model. Just because all of a sudden your game looks like the United Colors of Benetton ad from back in the day doesn't actually mean you've dimensionalized any of those lived experiences or those characters. And I think today's generation, especially of young gamers, is super savvy to what they're getting sold, what they're consuming, and what they're playing. And I'm curious if you could speak a little bit to the younger members of your Black Girl Gaming community and what they're looking for. So I think they're they're definitely looking for more stories. I would tell you that there's a lot of discussions around just a diversity of stories and locations that these stories are from. So they don't just want to see Eurocentric places. They want to see different places where they come from and characters that represent them. I think, you know, the whole... Um, challenging of where you know when the the Fortnite game came out and the the dances were used and now the fact that they're crediting people that was definitely pushed by the younger generation because they they are the major players of that game so they are, they are very much uh about shaping this space to being you know what they want to consume because they are the consumers and I think it was great that Fortnite took that on board and and, and started to credit people because I think you know, that's something that historically has happened to marginalized communities where their art has been taken and capitalized um, without their permission. And, you know, now that, you know, they actually took initiative and, you know, challenged that, that behavior was great. And I think that's what a lot of the younger generation want to see. They want to see a response to their voice, more of change and listening to rather than ignoring Um, and continue with the status quo. I think change is definitely what they want to see. Yes. And you've seen that a lot too in games that have been out for a while, legacy games that are looking to get challenged by their kind of, you know, antiquated history and updating Mm. and and making games more relevant. I love that you said, you know, because I would agree with this in our research too, that young people are, are, they're not just looking for representation. They're looking for choices. They're looking for worlds that bring them beyond their own. I think, you know, they're challenging status quo storylines. And ultimately, I think especially for young women of color, what I've heard in our research is they want to be the object of their own story and not the subject of somebody else's. They want to be the hero. And I don't see why that's such a hard thing to conceive in the mind. Like, right. it's so obvious. And there's a, if we are going off a of history, there's a plenty, there's plenty of women and women of color you could look to as historical um, figures. But even if you're going from the imagination, why is that so, why is that so out of bounds for you? Like, do you not know yeah. any women of color that you think could be, you know, story uh, heroines that have nuance that are not necessarily the tough women that, you know, the stereotype trope that we've seen, but have yeah. some difference, have some depth, have some flavor and texture to their characters. Um, I, I, you know, I think, it's when, you know, when gaming came out and the whole crash, Nintendo crash happened and they started focusing on the core audience, which was the white men, I think they really got stuck in a real rut. And, you know, it was white men serving white men, serving white men, because the mm-hmm. people were making the games, white men, the audience they focused on was white men. And then the media writing the games and writing about the games in the press was also white men. So it became this really, really cyclical 
cycle of just exclusion and um you know i'm really excited for new people in the industry to break that you know the new chief diversity officers at niantic and riot and some of these companies that are hiring women of color in these positions are really really uh important and they do a lot of great work and I think that there's really no longer an excuse if you don't have this story in your purview. There are obviously groups like yours uh, that exactly. people can reach out to and get some information on. So yeah, we're really we're really pushing for that systemic change to happen. I'm curious if you could speak a little bit to maybe the aggregate impact on this generation if we don't start to see that change. Like, what do you imagine the impact is to somebody's self esteem and confidence if they're a young girl, let's say, entering this space and you know loving video games and then seeing this kind of proliferation still of stereotypical images, what do you imagine or have experienced to be the impact on their confidence? What I've experienced is even, you know, it's not even just young women, but definitely focus on them. What what gets embedded in them is to to kind of sink into themselves, to, to even if they're streaming or content creators, to not go on camera. To, mm. to not even speak sometimes. And, and they're really shying away from the bright light that they can really contain inside because they don't feel welcome. And even to even be a developer and, and not even just developer, I think we always focus on developers when we talk about gaming, a marketeer, a, a yep. product manager, all of those company um, roles in a company, if they don't see it, they most likely won't go for it. And then even when they reach to that level in, um, in, an, in, a, in an adjacent industry, that also holds them back because they don't have quote unquote gaming experience when really what mm. the gaming industry is looking for is transferable skills. And they should be mentoring these people to upskill um, and ramp up when they come into the industry to understand the gaming industry more. Um, so I think it's, it's a chain reaction of just sinking in and shrinking yourself in an industry yes. that doesn't prioritize you. Uh, and I've seen it happen and I've seen the beginning and I've seen the you know the development of it with women who are mm. in a community if that can be around the 40s and 50s and yes. you know still need that encouraging um mantra so in our mantra in black girl gamers we have a mantra called shoot your shot which is what our workshops mm. are named after because we want them to shoot their shot and just go for it and just try because you know there's that feeling that you shouldn't try or you can't try you're not going to get anywhere if you do so um yes. it's a lot of uh, confidence building you have to do in the community when you do these workshops and, and mentorship yeah. programs as well and it's not a one and done it's an ongoing and evolving uh-huh. conversation to build to build those skills i think you i think you speak so importantly to again like the ecosystem and the intersectionality of solving this issue right because we're talking about both the industry changes we're talking about the creative changes that are needed and then i think we'd be remiss to talk about the pressure in this space if we didn't talk about the safety and well-being for girls um and girls of color in this space in particular um you know i know that in multiplayer games, you know, there's a lot of danger, can have a lot of danger in the way that, you know, women and girls are treated online. I know that it can get exponentially worse for the LGBTQ plus community. So I'm curious if that's a conversation thread you've had in Black Girl Gamers about why it's so important for us to create a more safe community environment for Black women in gaming. A hundred percent. And not just within the community, but at organizations that we speak with, always talking about you know, why I always say this to companies, don't just market your game, market the values you want your audience to have when playing your game. It's so important because if not, you'll just allow any riffraff and any behavior into your community space without 
and, and then you know that it falls on your game that that gets associated with your game and people don't want to play it anymore um, and even at black girl gamers we had to make sure we have rules on contact conduct because mm. just because you are a black woman does not mean you don't have toxic tendencies and can't hurt someone else so if we can do it as a community and, and maintain it for so long gaming organizations should really build that into their marketing and I think when you do that you create just better gaming organ- environment so um there is a company that I recently had a chat with and they released a really great game and um, but they noticed that the community on that game you know, they didn't put some of the safeguarding in there. So they've created another new game and they've mm. put that in their game. And those are the success stories that I want to champion and hear about because, okay, you made this mistake and you you permitted this kind of toxicity to, to creep in, not um, willingly, but inadvertently. But then you went back and you changed that. And I think those are the success stories in games that in games that you hear. And there are, you know, studios led by LGBTQ people, people who are yes. of color that think of this from the ground up because it's their worldview. And I, I really empower those mm-hmm. individuals and, and those founders, developers, marketeers to, to shout about that because that's what the industry needs to learn from is doing that from the ground up uh, right, yeah. as opposed as an afterthought. And being really transparent when there's been a misstep. I mean, I think this goes across both gaming and any industry that we certainly consult on and work with, which is that, you know, listen, we're all human beings. We're learning. I focus a lot. I I wonder how you feel about this when we do our education programs. uh, You know, we talk about the difference between intention and impact. And a lot of people, you know, they don't intend to isolate or exclude or marginalize, but they do. And then that is real impact. And when you can acknowledge the impact, that is when you can really start to move forward and you get off of your, you know, your intention and you recognize that you may have caused harm. And then how do you, you know, move on from that? Yeah, I think, I think some companies do need a lesson in that um, <laughs> because I've seen like, some exclusions and then they try and patch it up with here's a character that looks right. like you. Right. And it's, yeah. <laughs> and it's, um, it's interesting to do that without acknowledging say, and speaking to that audience you've hurt and saying, you know, I'm very sorry for this, but we've consulted with this person or this organization and this is what we've come up with and we're determined to work better and taking your, take your voice more, more seriously. No one's expecting you to not make a mistake, but we're expecting you to, how your behavior after that mistake is really important. And the PR after that mistake is really important. And I think a lot of companies still need to learn that lesson um, about, you know, what the impact is after that mistake and the behavior after that. So I would definitely hope that that would happen a bit more. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. And I guess, you know, listen, you've been in this space and creating this community for over eight years. I think you, you know, you know, we know, we have a lot of these kinds of conversations about the need for representation in gaming. How do you hope we move beyond just having these discussions and actually move into action? Are there some things that you would like to see specifically begin to take place so that we stop the panels, we stop conversations that lay out the problem and we move into the solution space. Yeah. So I would love for companies to um, show us their diversity goals, you know? So I see a lot of papers about where they're tracking, but I don't know where they're trying to go. So it would be great to see, you know, what your goal is and how you're tracking against Mm -hmm. that every year. I would like to see more, um, initiatives around young people of color and um, young LGBTQIA people into the space and getting making sure that you're changing the talent pool from the ground up from who you're hiring from and allowing those uh, programs to happen so that they have more access 
uh, as we were mm-hmm. discussing earlier. I would love to see leadership change. I think we have this really like, okay, they have experience, don't get me wrong, but there's no reason as to why you cannot bring someone else in the leadership space outside of the chief diversity officer role as yes. well. Because I think that's becoming yes. a bit of a trope. That's the only person of color or a diverse person that you have right. on your on your board or, or on your C-suite is a, is a chief diversity officer. That's not good enough either. Um, so I would love to see more robust structure um, and intent and impact around the, the hiring um, and promotion of people in gaming specifically and what programs they're working on. Because I think it's more like, oh, we're working with these content creators and all due respect to content creators, they are needed, but they're not the be all and end all of this problem. And I think, you know, when you focus Mm. on marketing, you forget the other aspects of the industry that need work as well. So yes, I I think there's a lot of work to be done and I would love to see more structure around that. Yeah, me too. And last question is, you know, going back to sort of the genesis of this program about let's change beauty. What are the things that we can do to expand uh, beauty, you know, stereotypes and and creating a world where more people feel included and represented and seen? When you imagine, and we talked about the historic nature of this industry to not only deeply underrepresent, but marginalize trope, stereotype, uh, you know, women and girls in particular, uh, what does the future of beauty representation for you look like in video games? What's in your mind's eye that you would love to see us expand and explore in the gaming industry? I think lots to take away from those white male characters. They have their space and they deserve to be represented. But I would love to see that exact energy put into representation for Black women, people with disabilities, people who are from Asia, from Latin America, from First Nation, I would love to see that exact energy be put into them in the character creation, but also in uh, the recruitment. But in general, when it comes to beauty in the games, I would just like to have a deeper understanding of how beauty works and not um, pose such a juxtaposition between the two, Mm -hmm. because I love beauty. Uh, That was my first community Mm -hmm. social media platform that got so huge. And, And I love gaming too. So I would love to see like a deeper understanding how these two industries can collaborate. So one thing I would love to do is work with a brand that would uh, have an industry standard of like makeup in game to work for different skin tones. Mm. Um, And because even though you have makeup in game, sometimes the skin tones are terrible and they don't work for every skin tone. So uh, it's undertones. So I would love to see that. I would love to see the fact that we can do away with beauty norms that are Mm. in, uh, in real life. Um, because the gaming gaming is based on your imagination. So why is there such, why do we carry these norms into this space, which is based on imagination, shape, size, skin tone, hair length, hair texture, you know, ability shouldn't really matter in these spaces. You should be able to really create uh, all varieties of beauty. And I, I would love to see the industry understand that when it comes to humans and not just non-humanoid magical creatures because they seem to understand it for elves and fairies and mermaids. (laughs) So yeah. Such a beautiful point. It's so true. I would love to see that world too. You're right. If the imagination is our limitation, then it should be limitless for the representation that we see. Yeah. 100%. Well, I am so I'm so grateful for the work of Black Girl Gamers. So excited Thank to have you. had this conversation with you and look forward to championing the work together uh, in the days to come. Definitely. Thank you so much for having me. 
Thanks for listening to Let's Change Beauty, a podcast powered by the Dove Self-Esteem Project. Dove's been helping young people build self-esteem and body confidence through different media platforms, including TV, social media, and soon gaming. Our academically validated self-esteem tools have reached over 82 million young people to date. On our next episode, we're talking to Dre Brown, beauty entrepreneur and Dove Self-Esteem Educator about the Crown Act, a powerful movement gaining momentum to end race-based hair discrimination. Thanks so much for being here. And don't forget to write a review wherever you're listening. It really helps us out.